All right, well, we're going to, this week is, uh, this is it. This is the last week, week four. We're going to put wheels on it tonight. Um, I get, I'm lucky enough to be able to sit up here and uh, teach. Kendall left me high and dry, just kind of said, it's all you now. So we're going to see how that goes. Uh, most of you know me. I'm, I'm uh, Blake, the worship pastor here. I am not a preacher, and uh, I am a storyteller. I get that from my dad. He likes to tell stories. If you're in his Sunday school class, you know, you know how that goes. Um, and I like to, to hold conversations, to facilitate conversations. So that's what tonight is mostly going to be. We're going we're gonna to dive into some real practical stuff. Like I said, we're going to put wheels on it. But before we get started, um, I, I was sitting here as you guys were chowing down, and I was thinking about. It. I love this. This is one of my favorite rooms in this church. If if you don't know, this was actually the original church building um, years and years ago. Uh, but this was the first room that I uh, led worship at in this church, and. Uh, this goes way, but this is a pointless story that has nothing to do with the night. I was just thinking about this when I was in here in this room, so I figured I'd open up with that. Um, this, uh, back years ago, about 2003, I had decided that I was going to be a worship leader. And so what any teenager does when that happens, I said, I'm going to start a band. So we started a band, and we were looking for, for gigs and places to play. And um, whoever the youth pastor was at the time, I guess, trusted us enough, a bunch of 18 to 20 year old kids to come in here and, and lead worship for their youth. And they were at meeting in this room at the time. And uh, I remember we brought in way too much sound. We probably had speakers that were halfway up this ceiling because we thought that's what you needed to have as a band was just a wall of sound. And then there was a, there was a screen that was right here in the middle and a projector screen. And at the time, uh, there, was a, there was a guy here uh, that, that was doing the TV ministry, uh, Early is his last name. Michael Early. Michael, yeah. Uh, he, I, hadn't, I went to Central Heights, I and his family was out there, and, I, and I'd known them. So he was like, well, I'm going to come in, and I'll, uh, I'll videotape it for you guys so you can have a tape to send to other people. And I thought, well, that's cool. So he sets up back there at the back with a camera, and something to record to a VHS tape, which that tape exists somewhere, and I wish that I could find it. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably be depressed if I watched it. But um, So there was a VHS tape, but at the, he didn't tell me what he was going to do. Was he, he was also going to put us on the screen behind me. And I remember starting playing our, our song and looking back there, and it's like my face was just massive right here. And I was thinking, in this tiny little room, <laughs> I don't know if that's necessary for you to see me up and cl- up close and personal, but that was way before high def and all those things, so that's probably good. Well, uh, I'm glad you guys are here tonight. You are the, the few, the faithful. Um, we, we see that Mark's table completely abandoned him, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that right now on the audio so it goes on the podcast. So they, if they have to go back and listen for tonight's content, they'll know that they, they just left him. Uh, but... Tonight's going to be, like I said, a lot of practical things, and it's going to be a lot of discussion. We're going to start with reviewing the homework from last week, which I know you all did because you all have been nailing the homework every week. But uh, what it was, in case you've forgotten, was uh, charting, chart out your strongholds. And the, the question was, um, 
what are some of the strongholds in your life? Spend some time working through the practical strongholds chart on the following page with examples from your own life and be ready to share them with your table next week. And here we are. It's next week. So we're going to take a little time because I think this is important. This sets up pretty much the conclusion of this whole uh, series is talking about and identifying what these strongholds actually are in our lives. And I think it's really crucial that you do that in the context of the men at the table with you. So we're going to take a few minutes. Uh, let's go ahead and start to share those. And then and go ahead and start to share how you've worked through that in that, uh, that little reference 5B there. So what the strongholds is, the circumstances, and how that, that affects your, uh, the way you feel, think, and your actions. So take a few minutes with your table, talk through that, and then we'll come back and get going. All right, we're going to continue on. I know there's been some good conversation had already. Uh, so tonight we're going to look at, we're going to take these, these things you guys have been discussing, these, these circumstances, these thoughts, these emotions, what we are calling our strongholds in our life, and we're going to run that through a filter. Um, you always have to have a good filter in things. My, my dad, I mentioned him earlier, he is a licensed filtration specialist. Fancy term. He can make your water clean, and uh, I've spent some time uh, with him, you know, installing these filters and working on these filters in the past. And um, it's pretty interesting the process of how water is filtered. And it's actually more. There's more to it than just running it through what you would think is normal filter. There's multi stages that happen. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the filter that we need to run our thoughts and emotions through. And there's two components of this filter. The first one we're going to find in the story that we started last week. Um, we were in 1 Samuel last week, chapter 17, and we were talking about David and Goliath and, and, and that whole episode. And as I read that story and as we were reading it last week, I just kept thinking to myself, you know, where did the confidence come from? Uh, to David to, to take on Goliath. I mean, it's, um, it's obvious to say that David knew that the Lord would protect him, but ultimately, how do you operate in that? Uh, knowing and understanding that truth, uh, that's where David's self-confidence comes from. So let's jump back just a hair in the story and go back to chapter 16. Um, Chapter 16, just for a little bit of reference, is David's anointing as king. And there's one little verse uh, about midway through that, that chapter. And we'll take a look at it real quick. This is 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. And it said, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Does anybody see the key moment there of what happened in that short little passage? That's right. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. The very first thing, the very first component of this filter is the Spirit. We are to live in the Spirit, operate in the Spirit. We'll talk a little bit more in a minute about what that actually looks like. But without the Spirit of the Lord, 
without that discernment from him, there's no way that we can take any of these things and turn them into what God actually asks us to be. Uh, side note, if you keep reading in chapter, uh, or in the same chapter, in, in verse 14, it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, uh, which is just kind of interesting. I think it's a reminder to us. We know what happens next in the story. We know what happens to Saul. Obviously, he didn't have the courage to take on Goliath, but even beyond that, he ends up losing the kingdom. Apart from the Spirit of the Lord, we can do nothing. We can have kingdoms and armies and worldly power, but those things will never be enough to break strongholds. The second uh, thing that we have to have in our filter um, is the truth. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Um, so when I saw truth, I thought, okay, what, what, is, what is truth? What are, we, what are we talking about here? And uh, I'm a music guy. You know that about me. I'm also a history guy. And so when I, when I just asked myself the question, what is truth? Um, one thing came, up, came to mind. In uh, 1970, there's a well-known artist. You guys may know him. His name's Johnny Cash. You know Johnny Cash? There he is right there, if you didn't know him. Johnny Cash wrote and recorded his 12th Top 40 single. It was a, it was a song called uh, What is Truth? And he is essentially posing the question that's old as time. And if you know anything about that time period, you're coming out of the 60s, going into the 70s. Um, it was a rough, rough time. Uh, social and political strife were rampant. And uh, just a few months after the release of this song, uh, Cash was asked to play at the White House for President Nixon, which is actually where this photo uh, was taken. Now, um, I mean, you guys probably know, if you know any history, Nixon was surrounded with all kinds of controversies and, and things. Uh, the only president we've ever had to resign, if that, that says anything. And uh, he had, had, had Johnny Cash, he'd requested specific songs that he wanted played when he came to the White House, um, which was Oddly enough, most of them weren't even Johnny Cash's songs. They were other people's songs, so I don't know how much Nixon even knew who was coming or not, but he had specific songs. And, of course, in true Johnny Cash fashion, he said, I'm not doing that. I'll play whatever I want to play. And uh, one of the songs that he played for uh, President Nixon was this song, What is Truth? And here we are 50 years later still asking the same question. I, I mean, I feel like you could transpose any of the things that were happening then to the things that are happening right now. And on a wide scale, we often let society dictate what is truth, which is dangerous in its own right. But on a personal level, and possibly more dangerous, too often we let the lies we believe and tell ourselves define what is truth. And who we are become the truth that we believe. These are the strongholds that we fight. These are the things that we were talking about at our tables. Um, if we don't have those run through the filter of truth, then all the problems that society have, they, we have to get ourselves in line first before we can address what 
is on a larger scale. See, we fight this battle through relationship with the Spirit of God and the truth he reveals through his word. Truth comes from his word, but not only just reading his word, but through the discernment of the Holy Spirit. So let's put it into practice. We, I said that tonight's going to be more about putting wheels on, on the things that we've looked at for the last three weeks. And so I'm not going to just be a gong and say the same thing over and over again that you've already heard. Let's get, let's get real practical with it. Um, there's two big changes that we have to make. I was, uh, I was listening to a worship pastor a few weeks ago talk about um, heart change and how as a worship pastor, you, your heart has to be in the right place before you ever get up and lead, um, lead your people. And he, he had a quote from a Puritan, a, uh, goodness, I think it was like a 17th century Puritan, a guy named John Owen. And he said this, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And, and I just, I kept, I went and I just kept reading that quote over and over again. And uh, it's, it's pretty heavy. So the two big changes we have to make, and you can see this in your booklet, that we've got what we call first order change and second order change. Um, if you want to know where that, that came from, I have no idea what that means, first order and second order, but I do know that there's a difference between the two. We're going to talk about that tonight. First order changes. These are the ones that we love as men because it's just putting rules in place or removing things from us, and that's, that's easy. We like to fix things. Um, a lot of these things happen in our own, own power, these changes are things that we make on a behavioral level. Um, they're more superficial and not necessarily sustainable over the long term. Now, that's not to say that they don't need to happen. Um, but this is the kind of change that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 5 when he was talking about lust. Um, he had some pretty strong words about behavior change that needed to happen. Um, we must be ready to wage war against these things that seek to destroy uh, the way we see and act in the world. So questions you want to ask yourself when making first-order changes. Well, one, what's, what are the influences in my life? People, media, devices, hobbies, etc. cetera. Uh, I don't know if you guys were here a few months ago. We talked about um, lust, and that was a pretty heavy subject. And I, I, <laughs> One of my favorite moments in this church is the moment where Kendall took, and I'm not going to do it tonight because this is on my cell phone, and I don't want to do that. But he took his cell phone, or a cell phone. It wasn't actually his, but and dropped it into a vase of water. It's talking about it. That seems extreme, but these are the kind of changes that we're talking about. Um, are these influences moving me in the direction that I want to go, or do they reinforce the stronghold that I'm trying to break? Why would we keep something in our lives that's just going to keep reinforcing the thing that we struggle with? Now, most of the time, we only make first-order changes. Um, and eventually, if we don't go beyond this simple behavior, we'll return to the same strongholds as before. Um, there's a deeper and there's there deeper and continual things that we need to be doing. And that's where we get to the second order changes. Uh, going back to that John Owen quote, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Um, w- one thing that stands out to me when I read that is that it's killing, not kill sin or it will kill you, but be killing sin. 
And to me, that implies that this is breaking strongholds in our lives is an, an active and ongoing thing. I think too often we try to just quit something and move on from it, but that's not how it works. When I was a kid, um, I found an old machete. I don't know if you, uh, when you're a kid, you got your hands on a machete. All of you still have both your arms, so if you did, it turned out okay. And uh, th- this machete was, it was just beat up. Some guy, probably someone like George Ford, left it out in the woods when he was surveying or something, but it was out there, and it had been out there for a long time. It was all beat up, had chunks and nicks in the blade. The, the handle on it uh, was, was all burnt and melted down, and just if you used it without gloves, it just cut your hand up. I'm not, yeah, see, yeah, there was blood all over. I don't know what that was about. Uh, but for a kid, this was a prize. Uh, that in, living in East Texas, I mean, it's the ideal tool. Um, and so, uh, and I would spend so much time out in the woods cutting trails. I love to cut trails. And, uh, I mean, that's what you use a machete for. That's the whole point is to make a trail in the forest. And we know how dense it can get out around here and. Man, I would spend hours and hours cutting those trails. Now, after I cut a trail, the next time I would come that way, what do I do? Well, I take that same trail, right? I don't decide, well, there's this nice, beautiful, open trail here. I'm going to just go through the brush over here and fight briars and ticks. No, I'm going I'm to take that nice cut trail. And every time I take that trail, what happens? It gets a little more beat down, a little more cleared. And I usually carry my machete with me, and I kind of clean it up and keep it well manicured so it's easy for me to get through. And as I got older and I got a four-wheeler, I had to make it a little wider to fit that four-wheeler down. But this is how our brains work as well. Once we accept a stronghold in our life, once we cut that trail, it gets easier and easier to take that trail. And given the choice of the easy way or the difficult way, we're going to take that easy way every time. Well, what's the solution then? What's the cut new trails? This is where we have to make what we're calling these second order changes. These are changes which we make on a heart and soul level. These are changes which allow us to think and process our circumstances in a new and different way. We have to be willing to dive back into that thick brush and create a new trail. And we've got to be willing to maintain that trail. We've got to continually be killing the sin. This begins with the way that we think. The way that we think controls so much. Let's look at another passage, First Corinthians, or sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. I've got it up here on the screen. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We must be aware of our thinking. Thoughts need to be captured or taken hold of so that they can be examined and put through the filter of spirit and of truth. Uh, my wife, I was just telling Eric this a minute ago, she is, is really into learning how our brain works. Um, she is uh, an amateur counselor, and she does a really good job at that. And maybe it's just living with me for a long time. She's learned how to do that. 
but uh, she loves to, to research and understand how the brain works, and so she's been reading all kinds of books and listening to podcasts, and, and uh, so that got me thinking, I can go Google some information about the brain. I would like to learn some stuff. So uh, I thought today, okay, well, how many, how many thoughts in a day do we have? Does anybody know that answer or have a guess on how many thoughts a day that we, we have? You might want to take a guess. Thousand. thousand? It's higher than that. Not near that high. Maybe Jared. He operates on a different level. <laughs> well, they move fast. So some, some studies have said 70,000. A more reputable recent study says 6,200 thoughts per day. The average person has 6,200 thoughts per day. I don't know. It, regardless, between 6,200 and 70,000 thoughts per day. Either way, that's a lot. Now, here's the interesting part about it. <clears throat> Research shows that of those 6,200 thoughts, 80% are negative, and 95% are repetitive. So you can easily see how you can get into that way of thinking and how those strongholds can form and develop. If that's true... We've got to run these things through a filter, a filter that's not ourselves, but a filter from God. So how do we put that in place? Well, I'm going to let you guys talk about that here in a minute. But first, we're going to, talk, we're going to say through routine study, and this is the Sunday school answer, but I'm telling you it's the truth. Sometimes the Sunday school answer is the right answer, right, Mark? That's, yeah. Uh, Jesus, that's right. Through the routine study of Scripture and, the, and personal relationship with God's Spirit who reveals truth. <clears throat> if you've got your Bibles, I need three gentlemen to read some passages of Scripture. And those are on the screen. Psalm 1. Who wants to read Psalm 1? I know it sounds like a lot, but it's not a whole lot. Jerry, you got it? Is that what you said? You got oh, I'm not saying, yeah. Hebrews 4.12. Who wants to do that one? Jeremy's got 412. <laughs> okay, and the last one's Galatians 5, 16 through 17. Only two verses. Oh. Okay, either Don or Chad will read that when we get. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. There are no rules here tonight. <clears throat> All right, uh, Jerry, why don't you read Psalm 1 for us? No, it doesn't matter. I'm, I don't think I can hear you on this thing anyway. All right. It's pretty cut and dry right there. Okay, Hebrews 4.12. Last one, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. 
17. <laughs> Somebody read 17. <laughs> Okay, so herein lies the big problem. This is, this is what everybody always says. Believers, I hear it all the time. Man, I just, I don't know how to get into the Word. I don't know how to read it. I don't know how to be disciplined to read it. I don't understand it. Um, but the reality is, is that if this filter is going to be effective, then we have to be in the Word. And it's hard. It can be difficult. Uh, But it's a fight worth fighting. So, for the next discussion question, I want you to talk about the habits, disciplines, the routines, and the relationships, because I think it's helpful to do this in community, uh, that are helping you put yourself in a place where you can run your thoughts and emotions and all these things through this filter. How are these things being shaped by the truth of Scripture? So we're going to take uh, about five or ten minutes and talk about that, because I think this is really important, and I think that you can learn from the men around you what works and what doesn't work. It's that, I think that's a, just having examples is a good place to go ahead and start. So let's take a few minutes and uh, talk about that. I'll put this, the question on the screen. All right. We're getting close to wrapping up. Before we uh, before we move on, I just I just kind of want to open this up because it's this is an interesting subject. Um, so I'm going to kind of open the floor up. Uh, I'd l- I would like to know, as a young man, I would like to know kind of some some of the habits and disciplines and routines that that help you be shaped by the truth of Scripture. Anybody want to share kind of what their routines and habits are in that? Channel on the radio? radio? Like listening to Scripture? One example was getting country. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. We were listening to a lot of things within the first week, you know. And it helped us raise our kids, our good Christian kids in the church. Right, yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it matters what you're putting in. I forget the artist's name that came out with garbage in, garbage out. Mm hmm. He was big in the. I don't remember what it Long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you if you put yourself in a situation where it may not be the most worst thing in the world as far as any kind of garbage, but the next thing you know, it's a little bigger. And yeah. Say, kill the sin or it's going to kill. Right. Yeah. What else? Anybody have any routines that they like to do? Okay. Yeah. He reads through the entire Bible. This year, I've actually been doing that and the chronological and the kids. So I get basically the Bible twice in the whole year. I'll be able to listen to it twice and read that. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. You're talking about reading through the whole uh, Bible. I, I I was listening to a guy talk about that the other day. Who he had been a pastor for years and years, and then he kind of one day thought, you know, I've actually just like sat down and read through the Bible, and that intrigued me. I was like, man, that would that's actually a really cool practice to to do is to sit down and read through the whole context. What else? What other habits that, that you guys have? Hey. <laughs> we, we all kind of agree the same rule. We all try to uh, do our Bible reading plan. Yeah. But by the end of the day, you it's, can't swing too much. Right. Sit down and you read a few verses of the Bible. Right. You kind of agree to what's on your mind, but don't tell me too much. Yeah. We were doing it tonight, but substitutes do all the talking. What else? We don't want to end on that one. So yeah, let's go. What other? What else works? Meeting with a mentor. That's good. Accountability. Accountability. Yeah, and that's kind of what you know. This question says, and relationships. I think that's what it's getting at. You know, what what folks around you are you really sharing that with? Yeah. We do accountability through right. It's good. Anything else? Yeah. I do think there's something to that. I think that we're all we're so often so busy and running around that we don't ever give time for our our thoughts and mind to just focus on the Lord, and um, and that's something that's something that I, over the last year or two that I've really been trying to dig into. It's like, okay, I've got to I've got to carve out those times. I've, it's, they're just not going to happen on their own. All right, anything else? So, in case you're one of these guys that has to fill in your little blanks here, you've got your your illustration. I'm going to give you the answers right here. So we'll go back to our uh, original illustration and how we've got our thoughts and emotions are a result of the circumstance, and now we fill in this filter we, in spirit and in truth, and that you see it's an ongoing thing. Um, and then we'll apply it to this little thing that we had last week. This scenario, I get passed over for a job, I feel angry, depressed, I'm, I think that I'm better than the person who got the job, and I'll never be successful. But if we apply the, those thoughts to the spirit and truth filter, those things start to change. I think my job doesn't define my value, I celebrate others, I'm patient, and view my current position as an opportunity, and it allows me to be more generous and joy-filled with the people that I'm around. And so um, I did want to pose a couple final questions, and I think I'm going to make these a little more um, not discussion-based, but something I want you to leave with you with as you begin this journey, as you start to put these filters in place. Um, and the first is, and I think these are in your packet, but it says, what first order changes do you believe you need to make in your life? This is the easy one. This is, and maybe it's, it may be easy. It may not be easy. You may need to throw your phone away. You may need to drop it in a bucket of water. That may be hard to do. 
Um, but there are some behavior modifications that we can do, that we need to do, to create <clears throat> space for the Lord. And maybe that is building in time in the morning, being really disciplined and setting our alarm and actually getting up and not hitting snooze 10 times and spending time in silence and solitude. So I'm at, ask those, that's, this is your homework. What first order changes do you, need, do, you need, uh, do you believe you need to make in your own life? The second one is related to the second order. What new habits, disciplines, routines, and relationships do you need to pursue in order for, to facilitate a second order change? Um, how do you need to read Scripture? What way do you want to read Scripture? How much time do you spend with the Lord? Um, how much time do you spend in prayer? What relationships do you invest in? Um, those are the things I want you to start to, be, to begin to think on as you process through this content. We said this every week, um, but the process of breaking through strongholds are meant to be done in the context of community. And a, and a couple of you guys have already mentioned that. Um, I would really encourage you to, if you're not involved in this, some sort of community group or some sort of mentor relationship or something where you can have the conversations that we've had the last four weeks to get involved in those. And if you need help doing that, we would love to help you. This guy over here, he is a pro at getting those things. He's, he, Matt will help you figure that out. Um, but please get involved in the community. I hope each week you've experienced a little bit of what that could be like at your table. Um, but again, if you don't have a place to have these conversations, talk to Matt and we'll help you get that started. Guys, thank you so much for, for being a part of this. Uh, it is always a highlight every year to uh, these men's and women's Bible study. Just spend some time together as men and, and talk about what the Lord's doing.